Airlines Confidential with Ben Baldanza and Chris Chimes is made possible with the support of Pratt & Whitney, a world leader in the design, manufacture, and service of aircraft and helicopter engines and auxiliary power units. PrattWhitney.com TA Connections, the industry's most comprehensive airline lodging and crew logistics program. TAConnections.com Clear, a leader in touchless travel. Learn more at clearme.com slash airlines. And Seabury Capital Group, global reach, global scale. SeaburyCapital.com. We also welcome your business's support. Info at airlinesconfidential.com. Good morning, uh, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening. We appreciate the download, and we're glad you're here. This is Airlines Confidential, and I'm Chris Chimes. And I'm Ben Baldanza. I'm looking forward to sharing my discussion with Colby Harvey, the founder of RISE, a new drone-powered technology platform to support airline maintenance and safety. But first, Chris, let's get to the news. Thanks, Ben. Uh, We're going to start with Europe. We saw last week Air France KLM planning another capital raise to shore up their COVID batter balance sheet, while also being pretty bullish on ramping up capacity pretty aggressively over the summer. Then Swiss announced plans to lay off nearly 800 people, both frontline and management staff, and taking another 15 aircraft from its fleet, about 15% capacity reduction from 2019. And then British Airways is forecasting significant traffic recovery by July based on current public health and financial trends. Meanwhile, both U.S. and European carriers are still pretty pessimistic on transatlantic traffic. Ben, I feel like we're playing an aviation version of the party game Twister. Each week, we're moving a hand or a foot to a different position. So help us make sense of this. Well, that's a great analogy, Chris. I I like that. I hadn't thought of it that way. You know, this is really interesting. You see both optimism and pessimism in these forecasts, Chris, you know, with bullish about recovery and then laying off and removing aircraft. I'm looking at this one level lower or one level deeper in the onion or something, and I'm wondering if the Swiss news is something bigger about the Lufthansa group. Swiss is owned by Lufthansa, of course, and that may be just a little moving of things around what they call Lufthansa and what they call Swiss, and maybe as a group... Now, Lufthansa isn't reporting here. We're talking about Air France and British Airways, but they all operate in largely the same spaces, right? So if Air France is bullish and British Airways is pretty bullish, my guess is Lufthansa as a group might be pretty bullish about domestic European travel or not domestic, but intra-European travel. And so I'm wondering if that's specifically a move around Swiss, but not necessarily the Lufthansa group as a whole. I think we're going to have to learn a little bit more about that. In general, the European carriers are more dependent on transatlantic travel than even the U.S. carriers that fly a lot of transatlantic. The U.S. domestic market is a bigger market than the intra-European market, and the intra-European market is largely priced by carriers like Ryanair, right? So they're probably not the most profitable thing for carriers like British Airways, Air France, or Lufthansa to fly. So without the transatlantic, I think it's going to hurt all of these airlines, but it's very consistent with what U.S. carriers said on their earnings calls. 
pretty bullish on closing domestic or intra-European summer leisure travel, but still fairly pessimistic about transatlantic. That's my sense, Chris. Yeah, we, as we've talked about, Ben, and you just pointed out, so much of intra-European is the low-cost guys, and they just dominate. I hate that word, but they they really swamp the market, and you go looking for a flight from point to point, and easily 60% of the capacity is on a low-cost carrier. So the European carriers have got to move their plane somewhere. they got to rely so much on transatlantic or, or the like. I mean, the other thing we haven't talked about is – what does the situation in India do for all that Asian traffic coming across Europe to the U.S. and other parts of the world? Um, and how does that affecting the Middle East carriers? So there's just so much going on in, in the industry right now in that part of the world. That's exactly right, Chris. You know, the, the disaster with COVID going on in India right now has to be affecting the Middle East carriers even more than the European carriers. But British Airways, KLM, Lufthansa carry some of that traffic too. So it's hurting them as well. The other thing is, you know, what some people in the U.S. might like to be true is that the train service in the U.S. is not really competitive with airlines except maybe in the Northeast corridor of the US. But in Europe, it's pretty easy to get from capital to capital with pretty decent train service. That also makes it tougher for the intra-European travel on airlines. Not every trip is easy by train, but more trips are easy by train than they are in the U.S. Yep. And then switching back to the U.S., our, our faithful listener, Joe Freeman from Tampa, had asked us to bring back the passengers behaving badly feature. But it seems like we don't have to look very far to find those items right now. Last week, the FAA proposed some serious civil penalties on airline passengers in the U.S., including a $32,750 fine against a JetBlue passenger who refused to wear a mask through food and empty liquor bottles and then struck two flight attendants before the aircraft turned around midair and returned to the airport. Another Southwest passenger was fined $16,000 for similar antics. Ben, is this too much, not enough, or just about right as far as the <laughs> FAA response? Uh, you know, I think the harder the FAA is on this kind of behavior, the better, because you really want it to be a deterrent. I recognize that not everybody traveling today are the most seasoned travelers. There's not a lot of business travel traveling right now. So a lot of the people are on airplanes. I mean, we've seen feedback on this show, Chris, of people surprised they had to pay for check bags or surprised they had to pay for a bottle of water on board. And that was news a couple of years ago, not this year, right? And so I get this sense that a lot of the people on the airplanes right now are just, just sort of don't get it, or I should say some of the people, not a lot of the people. And so I think that these are just right kind of fines. Uh, the more the media can push on, this is not acceptable behavior on board an airplane. It's unsafe. We're not going to have this, the better. And if the people doing this decide they're not going to fly again because of this, that's probably okay too. As far as... um passengers behaving badly, sort of not coming back. It's nice that, thank you, Joe, I'm glad you liked that feature. The challenge with that is that while initially it was interesting, we found that the bad behaviors all just sort of grouped into this really bad behavior of saying, I'm not going to follow rules. And that wasn't as interesting as sort of the one-off story every once in a while about somebody doing something kind of stupid. 
Yeah, I'm a law and order kind of guy, so I don't have a lot of tolerance for people behaving badly anyway. Um, and, you know, again, as we talk so much about the industry's return, we need calm in the air. We need people having confidence in the process and the system. And so I agree that I think these fines are they're within the scope of the FAA's rights and, and levels of fines to impose. And these folks push the limits and they uh, risk this kind of response in return. And so I say go for it. This week's news is brought to you by TA Connections, which partners with more than 140 aviation and cruise line companies and hundreds of thousands of hotels worldwide. They monitor and track room utilization to ensure that you get the most out of the rooms you buy and only pay for what you consume, which means enhanced operations and true savings to your organization. Learn more at taconnections.com. TA Connections, a fleet core company, the world's leading provider of technology and services for crew and passenger logistics management. Chris, you were pretty tough on Breeze Airways' plan to classify and hire flight attendants as glorified interns during last week's show. Interestingly enough, though, it looks like Breeze is sort of pulling back a bit on that idea. Your thoughts? Well, for those uh, not familiar with this, uh, there was some news coverage the week before last about Breeze kind of classifying flight attendants as interns and paying them an established salary, giving them some housing and some tuition, but got a lot of backlash. And certainly the AFA, the Association of Flight Attendants, didn't think it was a good idea. So it seems like they're walking that back. Look, Ben, David Nealman is a brilliant guy. He's had lots of success. He pushes the envelope and creates change. And uh, that's how he's been uh, leading the industry in different ways uh, for the last 20, 25 years. Uh, If you recall, he introduced ticketless travel when he was at Morse Air. That shook up the industry. Uh, It came out of the blue. I remember when I was at the old Air Transport Association, now A4A, they... The, the members said, go out there and say this is a bad idea. And I, if you go back and Google my name and Google Tattoo, you'll find some commentary where I said, you know, you know what is Morrisair going to do? Tattoo airlines with their ticket number? Um, but <laughs> he certainly uh, uh, won on that one and changed the industry for the good. Uh, but this idea wasn't his best. And like I said, they're quickly walking it back. It's a good thing so they can focus on their operations. Uh, they really weren't getting a lot of applicants for this role of flight attendant slash intern, AFA raised a number of issues, including age discrimination. So hopefully we can move on. Yeah, you know, he is a smart guy. And uh, you didn't even mention sort of the first guy to put live TVs on airplanes, yeah. right? And that yeah. was yeah. a disruptive, go. positive thing too. But I thought it was interesting. Breeze clearly for a new company has some good PR people working behind the scenes in that when they had a sort of retrench from this, they quickly sort of pointed on the fact that not a lot of people were signing up. Therefore, they had to rethink this. There was no, there was no sort of public disclosure of, we now think this was a bad idea from the get-go or anything yep. like that. Coming up in just a minute, Ben's chat with Colby Harvey from Rise. Pretty cool stuff, so don't go away. 
Pratt & Whitney's GTF engines are redefining aviation with up to 20% lower fuel burn, 50% fewer regulated emissions, and 75% smaller noise footprint. GTF engines have no comparison. This revolutionary geared turbofan engine is allowing airlines and airports to open new routes and fly more people farther and with less fuel and much lower noise. Learn more at pwgtf.com. I'm psyched to share my conversation with Colby Harvey, the founder of Rise. He spells Rise, by the way, R-I-Z-S-E, Rise. Colby and I met up at the America's MRO conference in Orlando a few weeks ago, and I was impressed with the Rise technology and with Colby. Hope you enjoy this interview. Well, here at the MRO Americas Conference in Orlando, with 400 exhibitors, the one that has impressed me most was a company called Rise. They have an amazing drone technology to help make maintenance smarter and lower cost for airlines. I'm really happy to be here with Colby Harvey, the founder, originator, everything about Rise. So Colby, <laughs> great to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself first. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. It's really great to be back in MRO again, just given the pandemic and just seeing all the shining faces. I mean, they're masks now, but <laughs> eventually we'll see them. The drinks are still the same, so <laughs> there's that. But I'm originally from Detroit. I was born in Michigan and I lived there for about 14 years uh, before I ultimately moved to Arizona to attend college. So I went to Arizona State. I wanted to go to the Air Force Academy while I was applying for colleges, and I was just one recommendation letter short. Couldn't believe it. But I, I, I love ASU. So it, it gave me the foundation that I needed and the um, honestly the support that I needed in terms of resources to really start a company that I thought was just really cool but and you know save the industry. But everyone is just insanely impressed with seeing what it is that we're doing. Well, tell us about Rise. Tell us about your product and what it is and what it does. So we're we're fully autonomous end-to-end inspection solution. Let me preface with it as a drone platform that's built right here in the United States. Uh, actually, we're headquartered out in Austin, Texas. So we work specifically with the aviation industry to identify different types of anomalies that happen during normal flight servicing. So we're looking for typical things inspectors look for when they're doing general visual inspections, like lightning strikes, hail strikes, bird strikes. Let's see any paint shearing, any rivet shearing, or missing rivets. I mean, we do that in a in a much more cost-effective and time-effective way. The platform's pretty unique. We we have other competitors, but we use a, the same system that you see in self-driving cars in order to perform our navigation. So it allows us to get really close to the airframe and identify and look and just inspect the aircraft in under an hour. So you're saying instead of human mechanics walking around a plane and looking for things, your drone flies around the plane and identifies things and points out look here, look there and things? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it, actually. And it's really meant to be as a tool for the inspectors because all we want to do is make sure that they're doing their job more effective and safer. I guess me and my team were, were we were toying around with this last night as a, as a true vision statement for what it is that we are. So we're, you're going to laugh, but it, we came up with make maintenance sexy. <laughs> I love that term, make maintenance sexy. That's great. Because, I mean, because it's not like right now. And you know, we're, we're in a generation, especially in my generation, where we, we, you know, we don't see the aviation industry as something that is 
sexy that we really want to get into, especially in terms of mechanics. So, and so no one was uh, is coming in. So let's give the aviation industry another step forward and saying, hey, let's make it this sexy and make people want to be a part of your your industry. Well, Colby, I know our audience can't see you, but you're. 20, mid-20s? Uh, 25. <laughs> 25. You're an African-American male. How hard was this for you to get this company off the ground? Who believed in you? How did you get this going? You're such an amazing story. <laughs> Thank you. And all accurate. Yeah, I'm, I, I turned 26 in August, so, I mean, I've got one more year closer to 30, so that helps. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it, it was interesting because, you know, kind of growing up in Detroit and, again, being African-American, and it, I, I I didn't have the typical resources that I see some of my colleagues having in order to start these, some of their companies. I, I didn't go to Harvard. I didn't go to, to Yale. So I wasn't just, you know, kind of pulled out of anything. I just, I, to be honest, I just worked a lot <laughs> and I worked really hard. Like, for example, when I ended my, my final career in, you know, the, the working field, not for myself, I, I ended at Google. And so, you know, most people are just like, oh, I'm at Google. This is awesome. Like, they would kill for this position. I was bored out of my mind <laughs> because I, I just got tired of doing the same thing over and over. So in terms of resources, obviously, I'm very chatty. I love talking to people. I love meeting people because you never know who anyone is or, or can be in your life. So I always approach everyone with a sense of respect and a, a tone of friendship that I love to see reciprocated back to me and see and grow from there. So I guess my... I can think one particular person in my life that really believed in me and believed in what Rise could be without even seeing anything. His name is David Quirio, so he's the, the president of Ascent Aviation Services out in Tucson, Arizona. I actually call him dad because he's, he's that close to me. Wow. Well, I look up to him like a, a, a role model and a father. And he gave me and my team access to his entire MRO and the resources that we needed to to ask the questions for our product design and really train our artificial intelligence and gain some of the, the images that we needed for our, our computer vision models. So That's fantastic. So you've got this amazing entrepreneurial spirit, obviously bored at Google, want to build your own company, right? <laughs> how did you come up with the idea to make maintenance sexy? And how did you come up with the idea that a drone could do this work efficiently and really help humans do their job better. Yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> funny enough question. I grew up in the aviation industry, so my mom worked for Northwest, though, but she wasn't like super high up or anything, but that's okay. Uh, my, my dad works for Southwest. My uncle works for Delta uh, Tech Ops. So, I mean, I, I've always kind of been around it. That's what my, my passion for, I wanted to be a pilot. Honestly, I wanted to fly like F-16s and F-22s. That dream was shattered when they told me I was too tall. <laughs> you won't fit in the cockpit, huh? I wouldn't fit in the cockpit, no. <laughs> so, really, I, I came up with Rise because uh, I was, uh, during this time period in my life, I was really getting more into entrepreneurship and I was in another ed tech company that I got exposed to the, the venture community or the startup community in Arizona State. And I just, it just made me more hungry to figure out to find something, to do, do something different. And so I was in class after I switched my major from computer science to aviation. <laughs> because I realized I hated calculus. <laughs> After Calc 1 and Calc 2, surprised it took me that long to figure that out. But they said, my professor said, hey, you and your team come up with a completely fictitious airline. Don't worry about capital, what would you do? So my team and I came up with a completely autonomous airline that only focused on cargo, so we didn't have to deal with the perception of people. And I, I 
took it a little bit of a step further and said, if we're going to make this fully autonomous, then let's make it fully autonomous down to the maintenance of that aircraft or that airframe. And so I thought, hey, ASU has this drone program of a couple of friends in it. Drones was kind of on the back of my mind. And I said, hey, let's have a drone at the gate to go out and do these inspections every time that aircraft comes in. And if something happens, we alert a technician and they can come out and address the issue. That way there's still that human interaction and interfacing, but it's, it's, it's much more effective in terms of the, t- pack, the turnaround of that, that aircraft. So from there I thought, I'm like, hey, you know, this makes a lot of sense. I wonder if there's anyone doing this. And so I did a lot of research. I did a SWOT analysis. I looked at who the players that are already in the market. No one was doing this. And I said, this is like kind of like a blaring red flag to me. And like, hey, let's do this. This is going to be fun. Little did I know it was going <laughs> to cause me to extend my student loan debt. <laughs> I found a team of six engineers that I got from the School of Engineering and, uh, you know, bought a drone so they could start. I found my co-founder that way. And we just kept building from there. So tell me the status of the company right now. You're a company. Do you have customers? Have you sold any of these yet? What's Where is that now? Yeah. So... It's kind of a mixed bag. So we have a lot of um, customers slash like kind of early adopters that are in our wheelhouse right now. So the person that I was very close with, like Holden Dad, so they're actually our very first customer. We're delivering their their unit later in uh, mid-June. We're working with, you know, kind of Republic Airways. We've been working with American Airlines for some time. Delta Airlines is kind of popping back up. Well, I'm actually out here in Orlando because we were working with another space company that is interested in the in the product, and uh, also AAR as well. So we're terrific company, yeah. Yeah. Well, that. so so our listeners know it's a drone. They know it makes maintenance sexy. They know it uses advanced technology and AI and such. But tell us specifically. Describe your product. Give us the elevator pitch as to why airlines should buy your product. We develop a fully autonomous end-to-end inspection platform to make your job easier, to make your bottom line stronger, and to ensure that you're positioned with your customers as one of the safest airlines in the world. And how do they get a hold of you if they want to learn more about this? There's a, I have my email, so it's colby at rise, R-I-Z-S-E dot I-O. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn or just go on our website and reach out. And is, is that rise.com, R-I-Z-S-E dot com? Uh, dot I-O. Oh, dot I-O. Okay, I know. great. New generation, we're doing I-O. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Well, Colby, it's great having you here. Thanks for being on Airlines Confidential. Best of luck for this product. It's exciting. It's the next generation of maintenance for the airline industry, and we're very excited to have had you on the program. Of course. Thank you so much. I hope to come back at some point in the future. And we'll follow your company closely. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll be back with more Airlines Confidential in a minute. The Airlines Confidential podcast is now available on Apple, Google, iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Pandora, Spotify, TuneIn, and many more. Use your favorite podcasting app with just one click at airlinesconfidential.com. Welcome back to Airlines Confidential. Ben, I remember how excited you were to tell me about Colby and Rise, and uh, hopefully our listeners can see why after that interview. He's an inspiring young man, and this is a great deployment of technology. It is an inspiring and fascinating story, Chris. You know, the MRO conference in Orlando is a real important conference for the industry, and it brings together all the people and businesses that support airline maintenance and safety. And in that group, it tends to be a lot of 
almost blue collary kind of roles, even though there's a lot of technology there, obviously. But they're talking about fixing engines, fixing APUs, bending metal, doing things like that. Colby's display really looked and felt different than almost everybody else at that trade show and that he had this beautiful drone there that just in and of itself made people say, what's this all about, right? And when he talked about sort of, you know, as he said in the interview, growing up thinking about how can you do maintenance better? And I thought, what a terrific application of the drone technology to make airline maintenance not just faster, but a lot safer. And, you know, just the thought that you could be digitizing these airframes almost after every flight and just getting a nice, you know, life data of these things. I thought it was really exciting. I know he has a couple of customers now. He talked about them, but uh, this is a company that I hope works well and that a lot of people take a look at because it really does look like a smarter way to do aircraft body inspections. When you said you were going to the conference, I remember saying, you know, bring back some interviews. And so like a dutiful uh, Labrador puppy, you uh, have brought back some great (laughs) interviews uh, that we're going to be sharing with our listeners over the next few weeks. So uh, stay tuned. Well, I hope Rise has a bright future ahead of them. But if they ever need some financial advice, perhaps they could consult with Seabury Capital Group, a specialty finance and investment banking firm, boasting a 25-year track record of advising key clients in aviation, aerospace and defense, maritime, financial services, and technologies. Seabury Capital Group's award-winning and widely respected team has superior industry knowledge, along with state-of-the-art analysis, technology, and solutions, as well as an unmatched depth of relationships with decision makers in industry, finance, and government. Explore their global reach and scale at seaburycapital.com. As we get to our listener mail and questions, just a reminder that Airlines Confidential welcomes your feedback, comments, and questions. Our phone number where you can leave a comment or question is 202-964-0177, or you can email us at questions at airlinesconfidential.com, or visit our website at airlinesconfidential.com and follow the prompts. We're available on all the major podcast platforms, and you can ask Amazon Alexa or Google Assist to turn us on. Just say, play the Airlines Confidential podcast. Ben, our first comment is from Philip. He didn't like our discussion about masks on board that we talked about last week and several weeks before that. But uh, to his credit, he was very constructive and polite about it. Gentlemen, I enjoy the show. I just wanted to say I was unhappy to hear of your support for the federal government extending the mask mandate for flights. We know that it's old news now and it's already done. But the bigger point is that no one seems to understand that there are many of us who won't fly until the mask mandate is lifted. Similarly, many of us won't travel to places that mandate the vaccine. I just wanted to make that point. Thanks again for the great and informative show. Well, Philip, that is a good comment. And it's and it's and I appreciate that you would give it to us. And thanks for being a listener. The main point about masks on board is they make more people comfortable about flying. And the most important thing for the airline industry right now, and everyone who works in the industry or relies on the industry to sell to or anything like that, has sort of the common goal to get people traveling again. And the more that all of us can do to get people comfortable about traveling again is a good thing. And my sense is that masks on board help do that. 
Obviously, that's not true for you, Philip, and others who say, I'm not going to travel until there's no masks. But I just think that you got to go with the averages. And when a lot of people are willing to travel, but maybe skittish because they're not sure of the safety and then they see the mask thing and they say, well, at least, you know, that's okay. So I think it is a good thing for the industry. But I think it's great, Philip, that you will fly again when we don't need the masks again. And I'm certainly looking forward to get on a plane without a mask at some point. But I'm also absolutely fine wearing my mask at least until September. Right. I mean, I agree with you, Ben. And again, Philip, we appreciate your comment. Yeah, I think it's important to recognize we're here to talk about the good of the industry and what's going to help the industry's uh, recovery. Uh, clearly, passengers are coming back because they feel safe. Uh, so wearing masks is working for the rebound and leisure travel. The next focus is on business travel. You know, I don't think they're not flying because they have to wear masks. They're flying for other reasons. You know, Anthony Fauci was on some of the weekend shows talking about there might be seasonal mask wearing for a long time. So I know Philip doesn't want to hear that. And I'm guessing Philip doesn't think a lot of Dr. Fauci either. But we appreciate your uh, comments and for listening. And uh, again, I think we all share the same goal, which is not only the airline industry's recovery, but travel and the economy in general. And then we got this question from Marcia at the Aviation MRO conference last week. Let's play the tape and Ben, you can address her comments. My name is Marcia Terry and I'm with Alltech Electronics and my question is how is an airplane tested to determine what is failing on it so then it can be repaired? What is the process? Well when Marcia approached our booth at the conference and said I have a question and she gave that question I was actually surprised that that's a question that came at the MRO conference right? This was a big convention center filled with people whose job is to keep planes safe, keep planes in the air, get them fixed when they're broken, things like that, right? And she asked a question about, well, how do we know all this is being done well? At first, I kind of wanted to say, well, that's a good question, but why don't you just walk around and talk to people, ask them what they do? <laughs> but then I realized that, you know, she was probably there not in the context of a company that actually fixed things, but maybe sells to those people. There were people there that did lots of things at that conference. And I realized that she, like many people, probably didn't really know the answer to this question. And like many of our listeners, the point is that aircraft maintenance is the least random thing on the planet, I think, right? The Airlines have a very specific maintenance program that tells them when they look at every part on the airplane, when they test, what the tolerances for everything is. They're measuring things all the time. And when an airplane goes into an inspection or is being looked at by a mechanic, they don't just randomly say, okay, what needs fixing? They don't ask the pilot like, well, how's the plane running? Like when you drive into a dealer, maybe, right? They know exactly what they have to do. And Used to be a long time ago on, you know, physical cards that they would check off. Now that's electronic, but they still use that kind of terminology a lot. And so we have the safest airline system in the world and the world in general operates very safely, largely because they've copied a lot of things from the U.S. And that's because aircraft maintenance is such a prescribed discipline. 
Airplanes have a lot of data about what's happening to them. That's shared through programs like Airbus's Airman and others. And mechanics are really highly trained people who know exactly what they need to look at. So the risk of an airplane being flown with something really wrong with it, with major corrosion somewhere or something really about to fail is really, really, really small, right? Things happen all the time. And if, you know, a mechanic can't stop a bird from getting sucked into the engine, right? Or or like that United plane years ago that landed in Sioux City of an engine failure that sliced all the hydraulic lines, right? You can't predict that kind of stuff. But a lot of things are predictable. And maintenance in the U.S. and worldwide airline industry is really good at doing this. So I think Marcia and everyone who flies, you should feel really feel really great about how well airplanes are being maintained. And um, I bet a lot of our listeners are going to want to react to that question and maybe have their own thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, case in point, my daughter had a flight uh, last week that took a delay because there was some very, what the pilot called, insignificant or minor potential hail damage on one of the wings, and they couldn't find where it was documented. So he said, there's nothing wrong with the aircraft, but we just got to pull the log to make sure it's been documented. So I, I think you know the industry is very thorough. Certainly, uh, the pilots in, in the cockpit want to make sure that aircraft is safe, as does everyone on the ground that has anything to do with the, the, the operation. So fair question. And it's easy for people to think these things are taken to chance. But uh, for those who work in the business, I think we know that that's not the case. You know, Chris, I can't help but say this. That pilot really needs to meet Colby and learn about the Rise product yeah. <laughs> because Colby's drone wouldn't find that hail damage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Finer Wine is next. And remember, if you don't want to whine about airport security lines, then you should enroll in Clear. Clear makes travel safer and easier. Become a member of Clear and you'll enjoy frictionless journeys when you use Clear's home to gate feature, which lets you know exactly the best time to leave for the airport. Plus, Clear's signature experience helps you move seamlessly through airport security. Where will you go? Get back out there with Clear. And we've got a special offer for Airlines Confidential listeners. Visit clearme.com and you'll receive two months free, including for up to three members of your family. Just use promo code AIRLINESCONFIDENTIAL, which is valid through July 1st, 2021. That's clearme.com, promo code AIRLINESCONFIDENTIAL. So Ben, this week's finer wine is from Kevin in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. In March 2020, I had booked an American Airlines flight for vacation at $200 round trip from Philadelphia to, to North Carolina. Kevin, you got a good deal. Days before the flight was to leave, we took advantage of a one-time flexibility voucher that was offered by American Airlines, which said they would have no change fees. We were on the fence about the trip, but this offer was too good not to take. Priceline helped to facilitate the cancellation request. We got our credit in the form of an email, and the airline generously gave us until December 31st, 2021 to rebook the trip and use the funds to go anywhere as long as it was in the same name. When calling today to book the flight, we were introduced to a $50 convenience fee per ticket in order for American to get the ticket back from Priceline in order to complete the rebooking transaction. This is the first time we've heard of a rebooking fee, and if we go to Priceline for help, the itinerary page merely points us back to the American Airlines refund policy and does not offer any indication of how to rebook the ticket. 
If we knew this ticket credit was going to get stuck in limbo or potentially cost $50 to recover, we would probably have rather flown the original itinerary. Are we a fine or a wine? Well, my sense, Kevin, is that you are a real fine person (laughs) (laughs) because this is just really a frustrating note in the sense that you were basically incented to take this offer which, you know, got you, you were a little apprehensive anyway, and you took it and had till December and going somewhere under your same name, I'm sure that wasn't a problem. But you were sort of sold that in part because you, you know, you could basically take a mulligan, do this later and not be charged a fee. And then you were charged a fee. I understand how these things happen in the industry. And between American Airlines talking to you and Priceline's own rules, you got caught in that vortex. And I'm sure that somewhere in the Priceline thing, it probably says this or not. And I'm not even sure whether you should be mad at American or Priceline or just the partnership between those companies or what. But I just think it's it's really unfortunate that you you were made an offer, you chose it, And now you feel badly about having accepted that offer because of this, you know, hundred bucks if it's two people um, or $50 per person. I think this is, um, this is the kind of complaint that the industry can learn from. How do we not let these things happen? There's no wine here at all. Chris, you've got more experience in the distribution side of the business. I bet you understood why this happened at least. Honestly, I really don't. I mean, when I got this uh, email from Kevin, I was trying to think, in effect, I was searching for some type of convenience fee or cancellation fee on the Priceline page or reservation transfer fee. I I couldn't find anything. So I I agree with you. This is a fine. I wish I could tell Kevin that he had to tell both Priceline and American. Ben and Chris said he's entitled to the full $200. (laughs) I don't know if that'll get you anywhere, but... He's got till the end of the year to use it, so he might want to rethink how to use this later in the year and try to resolve this. So I think he's entitled to the full $200 per ticket. So as we wrap up another show, I'd like to give my shout-out of the week to Dubrovnik, Croatia. This beautiful city was all set to get its first nonstop service from the U.S. last summer via American Airlines from Philadelphia, but the pandemic ended all that, and... AA has not reinstated the service, but now both United and Delta have swooped in with seasonal service this summer. Delta from JFK and United from Newark. Uh, My daughter and I had planned to uh, go to Montenegro just 90 minutes away from Dubrovnik last summer, and we had to cancel, so hopefully we can get back out there soon. Great shout out, Chris, to a beautiful city, like you said. My shout out is to anyone planning to get married in the District of Columbia this summer. You just got the bummer of news that no one's going to be allowed to dance at your wedding. (laughs) This rule came out this week by the government of D.C. saying weddings this summer, people have to stay seated. You can't stand up and you can't dance. Now, weddings are once-in-a-lifetime things for most people, but even if they're the second, third, or fifth time thing for you, they're still pretty important events. And to not put some sort of context around that, like what if everybody's vaccinated? What if everybody's wearing masks, right? You still can't dance? Even New York State says, you know, can't have more than 150 people at a wedding, 
but you can dance if you're responsible. So my shout out goes to everyone getting married in DC this summer. I hope you don't cancel your wedding, but I hope maybe you consider doing it in nearby Maryland or Virginia so you can dance. I, I never knew you were such a dancer, Ben. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening to Airlines Confidential. Have a good week. This podcast is produced by Mass Media. Info at massmedia.net.